Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Dope Black Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Dope Black Dads podcast. I'm Marcus Ramterhull. Today, I am joined by a Grammy-nominated musician, Pierce Freelon. Uh, so he's a musician, author, educator, politician. We're going to have to get into that at some point as well in this talk. Um, but before we do that, massive shout out to Marissa Young Folkies on Instagram, who saw a post I put out about my first Dope Black Dads podcast and say, you need to get this guy on the show. Uh, and I must confess, prior to that, uh, I wasn't aware of, of your work, Pierce. And then it just opened up this amazing world and body of work. So huge props to Marissa. Thank you for the recommendation. Uh, and a huge welcome to you, Pierce. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you, Marissa. Good looking out. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and if anyone else has got any recommendations uh, out there, you know, we, we do listen, you know, chuck your comments in and let us know. Um, yeah, so as I said, Pierce, naive, naive of me to not know your work until Marissa tuned me in, but so, so much cool stuff. So if we, I guess we start with your music output. Uh, I've been listening to your albums nonstop and absolutely loving them. Um and yeah, just tell us a bit about your music and, and your style of music. Yeah, uh, I mean, my music comes from my parenting. I'm, I think I'm, you know, like a lot of parents, uh, uh, raising kids is a creative pursuit. Uh, and for me, you know, I'm a musician, I'm an artist. I have a open antenna to receiving like, uh, sing-songy ideas and sometimes it's very practical it'll like literally today I was dropping my daughter off at school and uh, you know she's got her backpack on she kind of rushed into the car and I'm like click click you know buckle your seatbelt and click click is a song that we wrote like probably 10 years ago trying to get them to click a deep click a deep click click a deep click click a deep click you know just like it's a way to 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 encourage them to do the things um, and a way to respond. It's like a creative response. There's a song on my album, D.A.D., called uh, Gather Your Clothes. You know, it's just about go pick up your stuff off the ground. And, you know, when you, when you, when you frame it like a demand, you know, it feels like a chore. But 
when you make it a song, it's like, gather your clothes, uh, put them with dipple to go. Hey, like now all of a sudden the chore is a party and the kids are like, you know, dropping stuff in the hamper to a beat. And this before it became a song, it was literally just, just beatboxing, gather your clothes, uh, put them with dipple to go. You know, like, and, and this was a part of my parenting practice. It was, you know, with no, not necessarily any intentions of ever producing an album or releasing a song. It was just a tool that I used to, to motivate my children to do the things and, um, and to remember stuff. You know, when you put stuff in melody, when you repeat things like a chorus, it like sears onto their cerebral cortex. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it became something that the more I tinkered with it and produced around it and explored creatively, I found there's a lot of other parents out there with whom these songs resonate and who also have their own little unique, nuanced ways of parenting. And uh, yeah, so I give all, all the credit to my kids and, and to my dad as well for kind of inspiring this, um, you know, unique way of parenting that seems to have really you know, resonated. And how do your kids um, respond to to knowing that that's your kind of world, that's your profession, you're, you're creative, it's very different, I suppose, to maybe uh, a lot of other parents out there they might be interacting with. How do they find that? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, my, my mom is a jazz vocalist, uh, so I grew up in a creative family as well. And um, you know, I didn't realize that my parents' occupation was unusual until like college, you know what I mean? Like I'm the only parents my kids have ever known. So they don't think it's weird that I go on tour, that I, you know, write songs. I don't know, maybe they assume every parent is, uh, <laughs> is like their dad. And, you know, I can only speak from my own experience. Uh, I remember going to, going to college and meeting kids who had more traditional backgrounds and I mean, high school a little bit too, but uh, it's kind of like, you know, this is the world that they know. So it, it isn't weird to them yet. They don't have much to compare it to. Um, but I do think my, uh, you know, my, um, the way that I uh, take ideas out of thin air and, you know, create just kind of a song out of it. I think that is a practice that has been really an important part of my parenting. And I see my kids do the same thing. You know, they're sponges, they watch us and they mimic our, uh, you know, practices. And this is one where I've seen my kids kind of come up with their own songs or they'll be beatboxing or now they're old enough to be on TikTok, so you know they'll, they'll show me videos like, "Oh, Dad, this is like that thing that you do," or "Here, check out this artist who makes like little thirty-second songs." Like that's really cool, and um, so they're beginning as they age, especially since they've been on social media. You know, just dipping their toes in, it's kind of expanded the universe of possibility that they're exposed to, and they're drawing connections. Uh, to the way that we parent and the things that we create in this household. Um, so it's been pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I also grew up in a creative household. So, um, you know, it, it's just, it is the way that we were raised. So I don't think it's, it's 
clocked in yet that it's different <laughs> or how different it is from other families. Yeah, and I think kids tend to be just more accepting of yeah, yeah. It's just that's just the reality, isn't it? I, I know for my children when they were younger and they started school or were in school, um, I remember there's always a moment um, where you suddenly realise everyone has clocked that you're on television or you're on whatever and they're like the parents are kind of looking at you in a very different way to what they did before and you can hear them saying to kids is is uh is emily's dad in that tv show and like yeah and the kids know and they're just like yeah that's his job just like you're a paramedic and just like you know you work in this place they're just like mm-hmm. yeah you know what that's that's what we do yeah. um, and they're just like yes yeah, that's, that's the world we live in um and uh you mentioned you know, your kids are a bit older now uh, I can see behind you some artwork for Daddy Daughter Day. Oh, yeah, the opening Daddy track of the first record. Um, yeah, oh, it's a book. Mm-hmm. Of course. Oh, do you know what? I was going to ask you about the track. Tell me about the book. Oh, well, the stories are kind of parallel. Um, you know, Daddy Daughter Day started as a song. And, um, you know, it was one of those days where my son, you know, who who's real um sociable and makes friends very easily and you know every weekend it's like he's got an invitation to a birthday party or a play date my daughter is more introverted and she's not i wouldn't call her quiet because when she's here she's just non-stop <laughs> talking but uh, i think in in social settings she's less you know kind of charismatic than my son and so, you know, it was one of those days where he was at a play date and she was with me. And so let's make it a fun day. You know, we went, we got ice cream and I run a studio in Durham where we mentor like black teens, teach them how to make music and record and produce. And so I brought her by the studio is called Black Space. So I brought her by Black Space and we were just like having fun. We set up a MIDI controller. She's tapping the beats out and uh You know, I was like, hey, it's a daddy daughter day. And just like, you know, my click your seatbelt song or my pick up your clothes song, it was like, daddy daughter day, it's a daddy daughter day. Ah, daddy daughter day, it's a daddy daughter day. Came up with the melody and she's like, do 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 do. It was just completely organic, completely like an activity to keep her busy, to keep her engaged. Um, Something fun to do while her brother's out having fun with his friends and uh, what came out of it was this really kind of beautiful ditty. And, um, you know, I got my, called my buddy up, uh, Joshua Gunn, who's a father of two and a great MC. And uh, I was like, man, you got to put a verse on this, bro. Like, let's do it. So we recorded our verses and produced the track and, uh, and Daddy Daughter Day. That was the first single from my first children's music album uh, entitled D.A.D., and, uh, you know, it just kind of, it really resonated with people. The video was just beautifully shot and it's me and our daughters, you know, my daughter and Josh and his daughter, you know, just at the park playing tennis, having fun. And, um, you know, we got this big NPR story about the album and they played the song and then we got invited on to the Today Show, which was really cool. Um, and... And then, you know, book publisher, Little Brown Books for Young Readers reached out like, have you ever thought about making a children's picture book? And I, 
I really, I hadn't thought about it. It was just, it was literally like a fun activity with me and my daughter. Um, but, you know, as I got into the children's book space, you know, seeing that there, there aren't a lot of children's books by male authors, there aren't a lot of children's books by black male authors. Um, and, uh, you know, just like in children's music where there's this children's space, you know, we, we don't have a lot of representation. So I think one of the reasons, that's one of the reasons why it resonated so much. And, um, you know, so I, I, I got with Little Brown, I have a two book deal with them and Daddy Daughter Day was the first. There'll be another book coming out next year called uh, Daddy and Me Side by Side about me and my son going on a camping trip. Um, and so, yeah, these are just these kind of really natural, effortless uh, abundance that has poured out of my decision to invest my creative energies in this in this children's space and it's really helped uh helped fill a void as you know as media makers storytellers uh it's really important for us to to tell our stories because you know as black fathers as you know there's a lot of narratives out there about us and um you know we're not always the authors of those narratives so i think it's really important and really dope um, to, you know, to take the reins of our own stories and to tell them beautifully, loudly and abundantly. And there's a lot of brothers out there doing it. Um, I remember right before Daddy Daughter Day came out, there was a, a short film called Hair Love, which had just won an Oscar. And um, it was written by uh, and directed by Matthew Cherry, the short, it was based on a children's book that he also released uh, with Vashti Harrison as the illustrator. And, um, you know, won the Oscar telling the story about this dad doing his daughter's hair. And it wasn't like the father figures that I was used to seeing, you know, depicted, first of all, they're not many, you know, positive yeah. black father figures in the media, but you know, I grew up watching Cosby show and I grew up with like Fresh Prince, you know, his Uncle Phil. They yeah. always seem like these kind of elderly kind of professional, you know, he's a judge or he's a doctor. Here in Hair Love, there's like this young black guy. He's got locks, he has a tattoo. I was like, yo, that's me. Like, I've never seen like a young brother, dad depicted in like a Disney-like setting. It was mind-boggling and uh and beautiful and authentic and rich and um it really resonated i had written daddy daughter day at that point but i had not released it and um it was just an affirmation that like oh now is the time to to step up with our stories and to fill the vacuum around narratives of black fatherhood you know with with positive affirming you know beautiful storytelling and the, the other thing that happened around the same time Hair Love came out was close to when Kobe Bryant and Gigi Bryant died tragically in the helicopter crash. And um, that was another really rare instance where uh, a prominent celebrity, because of the nature of the tragedy, was thrust into the public eye um, 
specifically his his relationship to fathering a girl um, was really in the public eye. And I think there's, you know, there's some narratives out there, not so much for black men, but just in general with fathers and sons, you know, out there playing catch or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that was really unique. I don't know if you if you remember just for the felt like for the month after they passed, you know, there yeah. was so much media about and home videos of him teaching her basketball, them at the game with his arm around her shoulder, you know, him hoisting her up and images that I had never seen before. Because when you think of Kobe, you think, you know, basketball championship, Mamba mentality, he's got a yeah. brand and dad is not in the top 10 things when you think about his brand. And, yeah. and in that moment, through that tragedy, dad became an important part of his legacy and and that really the center of his legacy because you know of 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 how that um tragedy uh occurred with both of them passing away yeah and, and um that was just man <clears throat> that and hair love you know at the same time it was like just kind of astounding to me to see the media flooded with these images of nurturing black fatherhood. And I wanted to add my voice to that chorus to keep that, um, to keep that movement and that story and that, that love uh, in the center of the public imagination. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was just, you know, the book is a part of that and the song and the music um, and I'm working on a podcast. There's like everything that I do is about raising that, um, raising those voices and, and our stories. Would you say, you know, you're obviously an incredibly accomplished musician and let's say the albums have been on like just <laughs> constantly, the beats, the sounds, the lyrics, it's all just fantastic. What kind of things are you keeping at the forefront of your mind when you're creating for that audience? Is there is there something in particular that you're like, you know what, these are the absolute non-negotiables when I'm writing this kind of stuff? Uh, you know, I don't know if I approach it with a, a set of predetermined um, parameters. It's really the, the main instigator is inspiration and I'm surrounded by it constantly with my kids. Um, so like, you know, DAD came out in 2021, or sorry, in 2020, you know, the following, you know, that was the beginning of COVID. So I was still writing, still creating as DAD was being released and, you know, thinking about, um, on my next album, the one that was nominated for a Grammy, Black to the Future, uh, the first single from that album is called Cootie Shot. It's about getting vaccinated. Um, I didn't think to myself like, oh, this would be an important thing to do. It was really like, I have a needle phobia. I have since I was very little. I remember going to a camp one year and um, we had to get a tetanus shot. Doctor comes out with this big old turkey, <laughs> turkey baster, <laughs> you know? And they had to hold me down. Like three nurses came in and held me down. Ah! I mean, it was like very traumatic. It was funny. Well, not funny, but 
you know what's interesting about trauma like to this day i have a very serious fear of needles and and my wife kind of explained like the physiology behind trauma it's like you know you have that flight or flight you know chemicals that are released and something that happens to you when you're scared that you're trying to resist it like it's seared into your nervous system you know we say like oh i'm nervous no nervous is the name of a system that helps your body operate and survive and i was flushed with adrenaline heart pounding fear whatever was happening to me at that moment has been seared into my psyche and that's the reason why to this day i'm not you know my wife says come get this spider go get that snake like i'm not scared of many things but needles are one of those things that was a trauma i experienced at a young age to this day i can barely stand it and so when it came time to get <laughs> vaccinated you know i was more scared than my kids were like gosh you know yeah. and then i was like man i i should probably get the johnson and johnson <laughs> you know just, <laughs> just one shot <laughs> you know but the efficacy is about 15 points lower than the you know pfizer or the you know moderna so anyway i ended up getting the pfizer which <sighs> um but anyway I'm in my studio writing, thinking about all the other kids that have experienced this trauma, thinking about my inner kid who is scared to death of needles. And that's the first line of the song. I am scared of needles, but there's one thing that I know, you know, I don't want that fever. We can't get it hot if we catch the cold. Circle, circle, dot, dot. Now I got my cootie shot. It's about, it's it's a song about dealing with the fear of getting poked by a sharp thing and having yeah. a substance enter, enter your body that your parents say is good for you, but you know you haven't quite wrapped your head around why or how, you just know it's gonna hurt and that you have to do it. And um, I think that, like I said, as much as I would like to say, I was trying to do my part as a creative citizen <laughs> to encourage, no, like I was really coping with my own trauma and and thinking of my inner child and and that was the a party song you know that felt like something you could dance to that that you could you know lift your spirits to encourage you to summon the courage to do this thing even though it's scary like yeah. that's cootie shot and and uh yeah that that's where it came from and pretty much i don't think i've ever i don't know i'd have to think about that I don't write many songs that don't come from an authentic experience or place like that. Um, another example, uh, I mentor, as I mentioned, I run a studio in Durham called Black Space. We mentor black teens. And a couple of years ago, we did a, a conversation on consent. And, um, you know, it was, it was Me Too era. And we were like, let's have our, let's lead our youth conversation around consent. And we brought in a speaker and, it was really great. Um, but as I'm seeing these kids kind of wrap their mind around these words and concepts that they hadn't really considered or hadn't discussed deeply before, I was like, man, you can't be talking to kids at 16 and mentioning the word consent for the first time at 16. Like they need to know what consent means at a young age, you know, so that they can say no, 
so that they can know that people have body autonomy. Oh, what's body autonomy? Oh, that that's just your body belongs to you. It's yours. Nobody else's. So you mean I don't have to kiss Uncle Jerry when he says, hey, come here, give me a kiss. No, <laughs> you can actually say, no, Uncle Jerry, I don't want to kiss. And, so that- un- and Uncle Jerry can't say, no, come on, get over it. No, it's like, <laughs> that's this is called boundary. Like, you know what I mean? Our kids need to have these tools. So by the time they're in high school and they're sexually curious or active, oh yeah, man, that's, I know what consent is. Like, that's not something that I'm just being introduced to during sex ed, like, cause it's yeah. not all about sex. Consent starts with hugs. It starts with your own personal space. And so and that- I found that- Go for it, yeah. So I found that track particularly powerful because I remember, you know, a father of daughters from a very young age, um, it didn't resonate with me. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When I was saying, oh, you know, we're saying goodbye, go give grandma a hug, go give grandma a kiss. And then the kids would be like, oh, no, I'm like, no, it's your grandmother, go give her a kiss. And it was my wife who said to me, what are you teaching them? Stop. Think about what you're saying. And I was like, oh, man, I've never thought about that before. Um, and then, you know, part of the parenting journey is you're learning, you're learning all the time. And I was like, yeah, actually. She doesn't have to give grandma a kiss if she's wanting to give grandma a kiss. And, and as, your, as your song says, you know, it's her body is her body and it, it's up to her. Um, and you're absolutely right in terms of kind of the first time you're introduced to those concepts, like 16 is absolutely way too late. Way late. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, and you know what? Grandma's going to get over it. Grandma yeah. will be fine. I don't want to kiss. They're going to say, oh, okay, little pumpkin. Well, you have fun. You know, like, (laughs) like it's way more important that grandma feels a sliver of discomfort and does the work to earn the child's trust so that a a kiss on the cheek is given with enthusiasm. Yeah. You know, then it is that we force them into these things because we don't want our elders to feel bad. Like, 
let's, yeah, let's equip our kids with the tools they need to make choices that are affirming of their uh, power. Power. You know, a lot of being a kid is powerless. Do this, go there, eat that, you know, but their body is non-negotiable, you know, and, and that, that, you know, again, that, that, the, the concept for that came out of work I was doing with teens wishing like just awestruck really like what's wrong with y'all boys <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> like the questions that they had the internalized patriarchy that they were already exuding at 14 mm. 15 16 I was like man we need to nip this in the bud way way earlier and um you know, again, every song on the album has a story like that, that comes out of either interpersonal experience, world observation, uh, or like, a, you know, a, a genuine, um, you know, fruit that grows out of the, the seeds we plant as we parent. Um, yeah. I want to talk a bit about your second album and, and this, this idea of Afrofuturism because I'm a huge sci-fi fan. Nice. Um, but I didn't really, not at a younger age, get into Star Trek. Um, so lots of science fiction novels, of course, Star Wars, who didn't love Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, I've only just started watching the the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. And I'm reading I'm watching all these stories going, I've read these stories before. I didn't realize this was cool now because back back then it was like, yeah, I read sci-fi in my room alone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there's a a great kind of homage to uh, LeVar Burton uh, in in the album as well. Um, So I'd love for you to just riff a bit about kind of, I've seen you talk about him before, about what, what he meant to you, seeing him on TV growing up, but also just a bit more about this idea of what Afrofuturism is. Sure. Well, LeVar Burton's a great place to start uh, when you're talking about Afrofuturism, because, you know, it's this idea that, you know, black people exist in the future. We can kind of create and, and manifest and participate in art, culture, science, technology. You know, we're a part of that narrative because sometimes, you know, we get erased out of those spaces and uh, our vision of the future might look different, you know, than a vision that's being kind of painted by uh, a white author or, um, you know, somebody that doesn't share our, our unique experiences and perspective. Um, you know, I think of like, I think of Harriet Tubman as like the quintessential Afrofuturist because she lived during a time where enslavement was the standard. It's what everyone knew for as long as they'd lived. And here's a person who can paint the future with a different brush and actually created that future that she envisioned. Yeah. Um, and so what if, if, if our present, if we think about, you know, taking on a, a, a Tubman-esque, you know, ethos, what, what, uh, what does black liberation look like for our generation? What things do we want to change, you know, around, uh, you know, women having full, and access to their reproductive organs or choices. That's an Afrofuturist vision, especially for people who, who didn't have that kind of autonomy, you know, for much of American history. This is from a black American perspective, like 
it, hit, it hits different, you know, for our community than it might for others because of our history. Um, so anyway, that's what Afrofuturism is all about. And yeah, LeVar Burton, past, present, future, he's that guy. He is, um, you know, such a, a pioneer and visionary. And for those who don't know who LeVar Burton is, he's not like necessarily a household name for everyone that's not a super nerd like uh, <laughs> apparently we are um you know but you know i wear nerd like a badge of on honor ever since like pharrell and the neptunes with the dopest producers in the world called their band n-e-r-d i was like yes we can own nerdiness <laughs> without shame like the coolest people in the world are nerds um so shouts to pharrell but Anyway, uh, LeVar Burton is an actor. He is a, um, you know, he's a, a wonderful actor. And there are kind of three or four places where he's most well-known. He's done a whole lot, but he's most known as the host of Reading Rainbow, a popular PBS kids show, where he introduced young children to books and I have several books in my bookcase that I saw first on Reading Rainbow, which is wow. public access television um, in the States. Uh, where is Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters? Here it is. I collect children's books by black authors and authors of color. Uh, I remember seeing this book, Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters, looking at the artwork on PBS as a kid. It's a beautiful wow. story. And, um, and that was the, that was the show, Reading Rainbow. Um, he was also, he played, uh, Kunta Kente, the character Kunta Kente in the, the television show Roots, um, which was a, you know, a story about enslavement, uh, in the United States. Um, really popular show, really popular book written by Alex Haley, who also, you know, co-authored, um, Malcolm X's autobiography and, um, you know, really, really important book uh, that tells this story that, you know, in the 70s had not really been told yet in television. Yeah. So, groundbreaking show and still occupies the public imagination. Like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kendrick Lamar, one of the biggest rappers, one of his singles off his uh, Grammy winning album, uh, to Pimp a Butterfly was called King Kunta. Like this idea of Kunta Kente is still relevant in the 21st century. You know, the show came out in the 70s. And so he played the lead character, a, a boy who was enslaved. Um, and, uh, and he also played my favorite uh, role of his was Jordy LaForge on Star Trek The Next Generation, who was the engineer on the Starship Enterprise. Um, smartest guy on the ship was a, was a, another nerdy black man. <laughs> um, I'm looking for the action figure in my backpack, but it is not easily accessible. But uh, so I'll I, buy you some time. So I will say is my, my brother was hugely into TNG. Nice. So I used to kind of watch it with him. Like he wouldn't miss a single episode, whereas I kind of floated in and out. So I saw my fair share of it, and I remember watching um, Lavar as Geordie LaForge and being like, just you know, when you're just seen, and you're mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, 
Like that's who I would be. Wow, there he is. There he is. There he is. I mean, I feel like it's so for anybody who's listening and not watching, um, you have got an action figure, <laughs> which you've, you've fished from your backpack. This is another segue we need to kind of travel down in a minute. But I was going to say he's missing his, um, his visor, his, his visor, his kind of recognizable accessory. Yeah, yeah. The uh, well, yeah. So in uh, for those who who may not understand the shorthand you're using. Uh, TNG stands for the next generation. There's like eight Star Trek shows out there. The best one is TNG, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> but the character, Jordy's character, is blind. He uh, he was he was born blind, and he wears this kind of electronic visor. It looks like some cool shades uh, over his eyes. And yes, as you noted, the action figure I'm holding does not have glasses. That's because this action figure is from Star Trek Generations, the movie that came out when he got cybernetic eyes put in to replace the visor. Wow. Um, so yeah, his eyes are, are little robots um, instead of the, the traditional visor that we associate with Jordy. And how comes he's in your backpack? Is this common practice for you to just have a, an action figure <laughs> of uh, LeVar Burton? as Geordie LaForge in your backpack. Well, let me show you if you, you're, we're, so for your callers, we're on a Zoom call and I'm at home in my office and I'm reaching behind me here to, to gather some more friends. Uh, these are my action figures. I collect black action figures. Uh, I've got Storm here from- so got, Yeah, we just had Storm come up into the camera there from yeah, X-Men. Yeah, from the, from the X-Men, from the Marvel Universe. Here's Lieutenant Commander Worf, also from Star Trek. Um, you know, Steel from the uh, Man of Steel, who's a Superman guy. So as, as you're looking there, have you, um, has your Star Trek TNG fandom extended into learning Klingon via Duolingo yet? Oh, uh, <laughs> I have not. <laughs> I do have a friend who speaks Klingon. Uh, wow. <laughs> her name is Walida Imarisha. She's a brilliant, scholar and uh social activist and writer um but i do not speak klingon i know like three curse words and <laughs> you know i can generally kind of follow a uh, klingon conversation but i cannot speak it i mean that's that's impressive enough and i think that's kind of standard is it when you're learning any language you got to learn hello thank you and then about three or four curse words right right very important <laughs> Yeah, here's the eight tales from Naruto. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, 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 uh, capture is what I was about to say. I meant collect. I capture, um, black action figures. And the reason Jordy was in my backpack and not on my bookshelf is because, uh, this weekend I went to Washington, D.C. and was, uh, a part of, uh, the Kennedy Center Next 50. The, the, Kennedy Center is a big cultural institution in the States and they identified 50, um, you know, kind of movers and shakers and, and uh, who represent like the next 50 years. Oh, sorry, key point missing. Uh, the Kennedy Center is celebrating their 50th year uh, and it's wow. named, named after President John F. Kennedy. So they're, they picked 50 people who represent the next 50, like to get them to their 100 hundred year um and it's a lot of dope people on there 
Yara Shahidi, Esperanza Spalding is a wonderful jazz musician. Um, you know, they're all kind of younger creatives and uh, who will be shaping our, our culture of American um, culture in the, as we move forward into the future. And they asked us to, one of the activities we did in DC was take portraits. And they asked us to bring photos of people that inspire us so that, you know, when we take the photo, we're holding the picture of the, of the person and, uh, you know, I'm different. So <laughs> I didn't want to hold a photo. I brought an action figure uh, of LeVar Burton's character, Jordy LaForge, for my portrait with the Kennedy Center. So that is why a Star Trek character was in my backpack. Normally, he lives on my bookshelf with my other toys. As you can see, I am uh, still very much a kid in a lot of ways. I mean, I've got a lot of uh, office envy right now, just looking at your, <laughs> your back, background. Tons of books, tons of cool action figures. Um, a small selection of books in here. I don't know if you can see, I think your frame's too small. I've got a bass guitar on the wall. Uh, nice. Easy access for practice. I've got this kind of cool Lego guitar Ooh. thing here. <laughs> um, but yeah, yours is definitely, definitely winning. Oh, <laughs> thank you. My action figures are, are happy. To be recognised. So is um is Lavar Lavar Burton aware of kind of your your extent of your fandom? Has he heard the track at all? You oh know? yeah, man. You know, there's a lot on uh, social media about manifesting. You know what I mean? And some of it is a little, you know, kind of eye rolly, like uh, and uh, but let me tell you, man. Here's my manifesting story. <laughs> So I wrote the song LeVar Burton, you know, with zero expectations um, that anyone um, close to LeVar would hear it. I just wrote it because I love his work. Um, so somehow it, it kind of gets in the hands of his publicist and we hear back from his team that, oh, LeVar loves the song. That was the day that my mind exploded and uh, I was like, oh my God, LeVar Burton loves my song. Oh my God. <laughs> so happy, so excited. Then, um, uh, <laughs> this is such a funny story. So LeVar's like, um, we hadn't, we, uh, what was it? It was, um, this was before the Grammy nomination. So then the album gets nominated for a Grammy. Oh, a little more backstory. This was at a time when he was in the running to become the next host of Jeopardy. Um, I remember this. Yes. yes. So, yeah, longtime Jeopardy host Alex Trebek passed away a couple years ago. They've been looking for a new host. There's like this black Twitter led social media campaign to have LeVar Burton be the next host of Jeopardy. He's a guest host for, for a stint. So this was during this time. So that part's important. So, um, you know, we get the news of the Grammy nomination, super excited. I think that kind of bolsters our profile a bit. So now sure. the song's out, LeVar Burton retweets the song, posts it on his Instagram, posts it on his Facebook. I died a second day. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> LeVar Burton posted my song on his social media account 
Lord, take me away right now. Hashtag life goals. Unbelievable, right? Then it is announced. So first of all, LeVar Burton was not selected as the host of Jeopardy. Uh, it was the biggest scandal ever. The guy who did, was chosen basically chose himself. He was like an executive producer of the show, chose himself as the host. And, uh, you know, there was a big outcry over that. He ended up getting ousted like within a month of selecting himself. He got kicked off the show because people were looking into it. It was super sketchy. Um, but then, you know, in the wake of all this, LeVar Burton's been kind of back in the public imagination again, and he got basically snubbed. LeVar Burton was chosen as the host of the pre-Grammy, of the pre-televised ceremony at the Grammys. Wow. So, so yeah, for those who, who don't know how the Grammys work, so there's like a hundred Grammy categories, you know, everything from polka, classical music, but they only televise like the top 12 categories. So that's like a three hour ceremony. That's where you get your Justin Bieber's and your Megan Thee Stallion's and your Billie Eilish's. That all happens during the televised. But earlier in the day, that's when all the other genres are awarded, jazz and children's music. So I was nominated, coincidentally, my mom was also nominated this year. And the host who's introducing all the speakers is LeVar Burton. Who do they choose as one of the speakers? Me and my mom to be an announcer. So not only am I like, I'm, a, I'm gonna be backstage with LeVar Burton. He knows that the song exists. He's posted it on his social media. I'm telling my wife like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm like, I'm gonna burst into tears as soon as I meet him. It's gonna be so great. So I'm backstage at the Grammys. You know, we've done our like rehearsal or whatever. I'm putting some mango and some kiwi on my plate you know, trying to get some food on my stomach, but nothing heavy. And I hear this voice, Pierce Freelon. <laughs> I turn around, there's LeVar Burton. And he's just like, arms wide open, like, bring it in, buddy. Oh, Came in, my. gave him a hug, shook his hand. And here I thought I was gonna be a hot mess. I was composed, I was like, Mr. Burton, it's such a pleasure to meet you. It was, <laughs> I was so cool. I was cool <laughs> as a cucumber. He was the one peering up. His eyes were oh, full of man. tears. He was like, Pierce, that song, that song, just, I, I don't have words, just thank you, thank you. Just the most sincere. I was like, look, man, thank you. Thank you for raising me and a generation of children with Reading Rainbow. Thank you for inspiring us on Star Trek. Thank you for telling us our history on Roots. Bro, like, we need to give you your flowers because You've changed so many lives. It was just a love fest, okay? It was a love fest. And then he Wait, introduced I us. When me and my mom came on to, to do our presenting, which is, you can see it on YouTube. He's like, Pierce and Nina Freelon. And he's talking a bit about our background. And he's like, Pierce wrote this song called LeVar Burton. I just, I can't, I just can't. You know, <laughs> and then he introduces us. It was like out of a dream, could not have, asked for a more spectacular moment and it's up there man one of the best experiences of my life so dope and totally manifested it you know what i mean like when i wrote lavar burton you know a year or two prior like had no idea that that he would be in the running for the jeopardy thing which would 
you know, ignite him back into the public, into the middle of the public imagination that he, that I would be nominated for a Grammy and that he of all people would be selected to host the ceremony. It was just, it just felt like divine. And uh, yeah, so he knows about it. <laughs> he knows about it. He loves it. Man, I mean, I have so many other things that I wanted to ask you, but I feel that's just the most perfect place for us <laughs> to end. Um, before we sign off, um, what's happening next and where can people find out more about you? Wow. Uh, well, thank you for, for the, your time and your energy today, brother. It's just been a pleasure. Um, you know, my name is Pierce Freelon, and that's where you can find all my things. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my website, all of it is just... P-I-E-R-C-E, like pierce your ear, Freelon, F-R-E-E-L-O-N, dot com, slash, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, that's where you can find out uh, what I'm up to. Uh, I'm working on a podcast right now with uh, PBS Kids, which is wild. We're just talking about Mr. PBS Kids. Yeah, LeVar absolutely. <laughs> it's their first children's podcast in the history of, uh, you know, the company, they do, you know, this is, they're responsible for Sesame Street. They've done all this really great kids programming. You know, Mr. Rogers is a PBS show and uh, and their first ever kids podcast. It's wild. Um, so that, that'll be coming out next year. Um, I've been writing for television. I can't talk about what yet until a little bit later, but I'm working on a couple different TV projects. Uh, I'm working on my next album um, and my next book, uh, uh, Daddy and Me Side by Side, will be coming out next year. It's illustrated by Nadia Fisher and will be released with Little Brown Books for Young Readers. So, man, it is just an abundance of riches in the, in the children's space and the fatherhood space that I'll be creating from. So feeling really blessed and excited to share these stories with the world and the different mediums of tv podcasts music and books well i'm i'm excited as well i'm sure our listeners and viewers are going to be very excited as well uh, until then pierce thank you so much thanks for having me dope, dope black podcast hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 